Well, hey, grab a copy of God's Word or open up your Bible app to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to be sharing with you a message today entitled, What's Your Why? What's Your Why? As you're turning there, some of you that have spent close time with me know that I really enjoy thinking about productivity. I hear some giggles out there as well. That may be those that know know me best. I think my desires are driven by a God-honoring desire to not want to waste my life. I mean, as I think about all the things I could be doing, and I'm going to give an account to God one day, I want to leverage and maximize my life to do the most good to the most amount of people for the glory of God. And so I think about that. That weighs on me frequently. Well, as a part of me thinking about productivity, I use a task management software called Things. You can pull it up in the app. Don't, don't pull it up in the app store right now, but afterwards you can make a note and you can go explore it. It's, not, it, it's one of many apps that can help you think about how do you track your to-do list. And I would say on most days, I love Things. In a lot of ways, it's, it's my brain, and actually, I was having a conversation with somebody before the service, and, and I threw a task into things, and it's going to ping me tomorrow um, to get it done. So I love it, and there's a lot of great things, but it's not uncommon that on any given day when I open up things, for me to have a hundred tasks or upwards of that due on any given day. Now, I share that with you not as a pat on the back, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm letting you into my life to wrestle with some of the frustrations that I have. But my hunch, maybe you don't have a task management software. Um, you, you have tasks. You have responsibilities. My hunch is that most of us can relate to thinking about or feeling like we have more on our plates to do than we have time to do them. And here's my greatest fear. Here's my fear today that I want you to wrestle with with me. My fear is that we spend our lives busy and productive, doing the wrong things, neglecting the most important things, and all along the way, strangling our souls to death. I fear this even for myself as I'm looking at the possible hundred things that I could do today, are these the best things that I need to do today? So I stand here today as one who needs this message as much as I'm trying to deliver it to you. And this is why it has hit my playlist. As we're going through this sermon series on the playlist, because my mind goes back to this, it's hit my playlist, and so it's hitting yours today. But here's the good news. It doesn't have to be this way. There is a better way. So turn with me to Mark chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse 29 that we're going to zero in on verses 35 through 39. And so this is um, what the Word of God says. Verse 29, it says, And immediately he, speaking of Jesus, he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and he lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. 
That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This is setting the stage. Can you think about what Jesus may be feeling right now? I mean, he's just had a great day of ministry. It says the whole city was gathered, and he's healing many of them. And we turn to verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out their demons. Here's the question I want us to ask as we're jumping in here. What does this passage teach us about the life of Christ? Now, a few things jump out to us. We see some repeated themes that Tanner's already shared with us over the previous weeks. We see word and deed, right? We see he's proclaiming the kingdom. He's got to preach the gospel and he's healing. And, and, and that's going to be consistent throughout his ministry. What else do we see? We see in verse 35, he rises early to spend time with the Father. Even as, after a busy day, probably an exhausting day ministry, think of what he was giving out. He's spending time with the Father. We're going to come back to that later on. But there's even something more striking to me. In verse 36, Jesus is praying. And look what happens. It says, Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Do you hear the tone of almost rebuke in these words? Combining some thoughts from various authors, it might have sounded something like this. Jesus, what are you doing here? There's work to do. You're a smashing success. The crowds are lined up waiting for you to help them. We're building a following here. This thing's really starting to gain some momentum. Hey, and oh, by the way, Jesus, the crowd's getting restless. Come on, let's go. We're all waiting here for you. There's no time to pray. And do you see what Jesus says in response? Verse 38, let's go to the next town. This is astounding to me. I don't know the exact numbers. Jesus, they're waiting for you. Like, he had complete power and could have healed them. And he said, no, let's go to the next town. What led Jesus to say no to these people? 
we find it in verse 38. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. If you were to look at the parallel passage in Luke chapter 4, it says this in Luke 4, 43. He says, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus was not driven by fame or popularity. He wasn't a people pleaser. He was not driven by the needs of others or even what was most urgent. Rather, he was driven by his God-given mission. Jesus knew his why, and he always lived with an unshakable resolve to stay on mission and live his why. And this is what I want to challenge you with today. Imitate Jesus with an unshakable resolve to live your why. Imitate Jesus with an unshakable resolve to live your why. If you're going to live with this kind of resolve, you must first, I'm going to give you three things today. The first is this. You've got to know your why. You've got to know your why. Let me just ask you, do you know your God-given purpose and mission in life? Is that clear to you? And, and I'm using mission here. I know oftentimes, gospel community mission. We talk about mission as a, the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. I'm using mission here more in a broader sense. I'm talking about purpose. Like, what is the mission of your life? It obviously includes, like, missions, but this larger overarching what is your mission? Kevin DeYoung, he says, for most of us, our de facto mission is this. Take care of the house, meet the next deadline, and keep the people in our, our lives relatively happy. Can anybody relate with that? We can relate, right? You might even say, hey, my mission really is just I want to survive the day. Okay, that one relates a little bit more. Okay, I hear you. Hey, let's be honest, right? Let's be honest. Without a strong and clear sense of mission, you will have a hard time setting priorities for your life and you will most likely be driven by the urgent over the important. Look back at the text here. What calendaring decisions did Jesus have to make about his time? He's up early spending time with God. Now we're going to come back later on why he's done that, but I'm going to argue that it's because of his mission. He says no to the crowds. And he says, let's, here's what we're doing with our calendar. No, we're not doing this. We're traveling. This is a travel day. We're heading to the next towns. How will you know what you're supposed to say yes and no to at any given moment? How will you know how you're supposed to structure your day? How will you know for yourself when it's time to say, let's go to the next town? You've got to know your why. And so here's, I want to spend a few minutes here 
on giving you three components of knowing you, your why. The, these are hopefully practical and tangible to help you wrap your mind around here. And so the first component is this. In order to know your why, you must know your God-given purpose. And here's the deal. The, the phrasing there is intentional. You can't just determine what your mission in life's going to be. You didn't create yourself. We're created beings, and as created beings, we look to our creator who gives us meaning and purpose in life. And so um, in one of um, my favorite tools that I walk some um, of our interns through, and, and those of you that know me best, it's, it's a book by Tim Chalice called Do More Better. And he goes through a catechism in there, just asking some simple questions. And the first question is this. He says, why did God create you? You guys know the answer? God created us for his glory. So we start there. God created me to bring glory to himself. How can you glorify God in your day-to-day life? Chalice goes to Matthew's chapter 5. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify God who's in heaven. And so one of the primary ways we glorify God is by doing good deeds. And so then we ask, well, what are good deeds? What are good works? Good works are deeds done for the glory of God and the benefit of other people. But you may ask, but you're a sinful person. Can I, a sinful person, actually do good works? The answer is yes. I mean, if we were to go to Ephesians chapter 2, which is a separate sermon that I can't preach today, where But God, who's rich in love, who sends Jesus and has made you alive to Christ, in verse 10 there, it says, but you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that you may walk in them. So here's what the gospel does. The gospel makes you alive and a new creation so that you may do good works for the glory of God. And we go walk in those. Jesus makes that possible. So then we may ask, in what areas of life should you emphasize good works? And Charlie says, I ought to emphasize good works at all times and all areas of life. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you what? You do it all to the glory of God. Here's the point. You were created for the glory of God, and there is no sphere of your life that should, be, that should come outside of that. And so if I were to take all of this, and I've done this, I'm going to give you an example of how I've, I've put a purpose mission statement for my life, and this is how I would say it. I would say this, glorify God. This is my mission statement. To glorify God by delighting in him through Jesus Christ and doing all the good I can for as many people as I can, as often as I possibly can, in every sphere of life. The glory of God's supreme. You see delight here. Like, this, this is like, I'm delighting. We just sing the song, Be My Delight. Like, I'm delighting in the Lord that's bringing joy and satisfaction. Jesus makes it possible. It is through him. And then I want to leverage my life to do the most amount of good at all times possible in every sphere of life. Know your God-given purpose. Second, define 
your God-given roles. This is asking the question, when you stand before God one day, what are you responsible for? Most of our roles are going to fall into five categories. Personal, family, church, social, and professional. And I would say these, these aren't just roles and areas of responsibility. These are callings from God. Again, another sermon that I can't preach today. But thinking of these is not just, this is just some role. Like God has given me a calling as a dad, as a husband, as a father. I even think about my calling as a pastor at Redemption Hill and, and our vocational callings that we want to do that to the glory of God. So we know our God-given purpose. We define our God-given roles. And these roles help us clarify the where I'm going to seek to serve God and others. And then we get to stating your mission. Now here's what I do. I take the overarching purpose statement and I apply it to every area of my life. And I start thinking of my roles. And so here's, I'm getting really vulnerable with you guys today. You guys are looking into my life. I'm about to show you the four purpose statements that I've written for the four areas of my life. And the first one is this under personal. This is, this is my statement for as I think about the personal area of my life. I want to delight in God and cultivate spiritual, physical, and emotional vitality so that I can do the most good for others to the glory of God. Now, I'll just break that down for you really quick. You can see the delighting in God peace. And here's the deal. This is, this is foundational for my, all of the roles and responsibilities God's given me in life. If I don't do this, I will be worthless to my family and to Redemption Hill and to my community. Like, my personal vitality is going to fuel everything in life. And so as I think about my calling and my mission in life, this has got to be prioritized. I'm gonna, how am I going to delight in God? And these, these words, cultivate. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to cultivate in an ongoing manner spiritual, physical, and emotional vitality. And that word vitality is I want to be thriving. If I, like, that word vitality is not just checking off the box. Did I read my Bible or did I pray? Is this cultivating vitality in my life that's going to fuel every other area of my life? Now, here's another sermon that I think is coming in the playlist later on. I'm not jumping into physical vitality today. But there's a God-glorifying, honoring peace on even thinking about phys your physical bodies, things like rest and emotional help, and feel like, I'm not going there, but be listening out down the road, because those are important. And you see the word, so that. This is helping me. I'm connecting. If I don't, if I don't cultivate my talent in these areas, I'm not going to be able to do the most good for others for the glory of God. So that's personal, family. Eagerly pursue, sacrificially serve, and extravagantly love my wife as I provide and care for my family and lead them to treasure Jesus above all things. You may ask, hey, how did I craft this? This is me taking the word of God and the commands of Christ and wrestling through each of these roles. 
and just trying to craft a mission statement for each of them. What you can see here is that preeminently is to love my wife above my kids. And I want to do that in a very gospel-centered, God-glorifying way. But I also have a responsibility to provide and care for my family with this. At the end of the day, if I stand before God and I've, I've said yes to things that have hindered my kids from seeing that Jesus is the greatest treasure in my life, I'm going to give an account for that. And so, like you may hey, the, the where the rubber hits the road is I flesh this out and then it determines how I spend my time. These statements here are to be asked, okay, then how am I going to execute and do that this week? Church, I got to keep rolling. Joyfully lead and faithfully serve Redemption Hill Church by developing leaders and discipleship environments to make and pull and multiply maturing disciples. I want to do this with joy. We saw that in Hebrews 13. I want to do this faithfully. And I realize at my church, I, I, don't, I can't say yes to everything here. That is not God's call in my life. This is how has God uniquely shaped and gifted me, and this is helping me know what do I say yes and no to. I'm going to develop leaders and discipleship environments to make and multiply maturing disciples. And then social. I'm going to serve the Fulton Heights and the surrounding community, leveraging my shape to display and declare the gospel. Now, for some of you, this may be completely overwhelming. I want to highlight a few things. One, Jesus shapes every one of my areas. And that's not just because I'm a pastor. So as you, and you can see for me, I've got four areas because it kind of gets a little murky for me, like you're thinking about church, and that's also like vocationally my work right now, um, whereas like my professional and work and church kind of get combined there. But for all of us, it's not just I'm a Christian and then I think about the rest of them. It's, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian dad, I'm a Christian husband, I'm a follower of Jesus who's working X, Y, and Z, I'm a Christian at Redemption Hill Church, and I'm a Christian living in the heights of Medford. Like, it shapes all of them. I don't distinguish those. And, and, and here's what I'm doing here. Whether you flesh out statements like these isn't necessarily the point. Here's the point. The point is that you need to make sure you're figuring out how you spend time knowing what really matters in life. And are you doing it? This helps me. I review these frequently and they drive because I can ask, did I do that last week? And then I can ask, how am I going to do that this week? It helps me to know my why and it sets me up to the second truth I want to share with you today, to prioritize your why. You see, it's one thing for me to be able to pull up my Evernote and see the note that says, these are my mission statements. And it's a complete separate thing to actually go do that and to prioritize that and to live that. That's why the challenge today is to live with an unshakable resolve, not to just know your why, but to live your why. That it like becomes a reality in our lives. If you aren't intentional and you don't prioritize, you'll push aside the very things you say are your actual priorities. 
You know what? We may be grabbing coffee and, hey, tell me what's important to you. And you can list all five roles in your life and you can tell me a mission statement. I'll say, okay, I want you to now tell me what is actually important to you. And the way you spend your time in your calendar is what's actually important to you. No matter what you verbally tell me on paper is important to you. I'll keep going. Let's look back at the text. Hey, Jesus, verse 37, everyone is looking for you. A clear sense of mission led him to say, let's go to the next town. If he doesn't have that, he says yes to the urgent and not necessarily to what's important. He wasn't driven by needs or the urgent. So let me just ask you here. Is your why driving your priorities and your decisions? Are you doing the things you should be doing? Let me pause here. I want to ask a separate question. What hinders us from prioritizing our why? What keeps us from living our why? Why don't we prioritize this? One possible answer is the busyness of our lives. I want us to pause for a second and consider the dangers of a busy life. And I'll be up front. Much of this is, I'm giving you a shortened synopsis of a book called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And in that book, he says this, we are so busy, listen to me. If you don't, like, this is the point of the sermon I want you to get. I want you to get all of it. But I, I fear that this is what, where Satan's got most of us. Because I think most of us probably know our why, even if we haven't written our statements out. We're so busy with a million pursuits that we don't even notice the most important things are slipping away. And he says busyness can lead to three dangers. First, it can ruin our joy. Have you ever noticed that when you're just scattered and frenzied, how like it just saps joy in life. Second, it can rob our hearts. Flip over to Mark chapter 4, just a few pages. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Jesus is talking about seeds, like sowing the word of God. We're scattering seed. And he talks about the seed that lands on the thorns. Some of the seed lands among the thorns, and he, he describes what this is in verse 19. I'll actually start reading in verse 18. He says, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Did you hear that? And DeYoung says, for most of us, it's not heresy or rank apostasy that's going to derail our profession of faith. It's all the worries of life. 
the distractions of this world, the desires for other things. And by the way, those distractions and other things can be good things. But here's what's most dangerous. He says the third danger is this. Busyness can cover up the rot in our souls. How's it do that? Here's how. He says the greatest danger with busyness is that there may be greater dangers you never even have time to consider. Did you hear that? Because of our busyness of life, we actually don't even have the time and space to sit back and say, are there other dangerous things that I should be considering? And all along the way, it's just covering up the rot in our souls. We look like we're great. We, our schedules are full, but our souls are rotting. And so he asked this question, why aren't we so busy? And his very first diagnosis, I can't share the whole book today, is he says, number one is pride. And he just goes through a list of what he calls the manifestations of pride in our life. I'll list them. You can go check out the book. Number one is people-pleasing. And he continues, pats on the back, performance, evaluation, possessions, proving myself, pity, poor planning, power, perfectionism, position, prestige, posting. We want the approval of others. And so we say yes. We're driven, we're driven not out of a sense of, I mean, I want to seek the approval of God. I want to hear the yes from, my, from this person. And because I don't want to hear the no, I say yes, and I say yes over and over, and, it's, and we step back, and what's, what's hindering me is I'm saying no to some of the most important things because I don't fear God enough. I seek the fear of man. But he says you can take every single one of those Ps that I just mentioned and change it from vice to virtue with a minor tweak. He, he says you ask this question. Am I trying to do good? or to make myself look good. So as you think about how to prioritize, I'm just, I'm just giving you some, some help. As you think about how do you prioritize your why, this is a question daily, moment by moment, you've got to wrestle with. Am I saying yes to this because I want to do good or because I want to look good? So how do we prioritize our why? I'll give you a few nuggets here. The first thing that we've got to come to grips with is that we can't do everything. News alert. You can't do everything. Your time and your energy are limited. And only when you come to grips with this can you start to actually use it well. You've got to realize that in your week, you, there's no way to redeem lost time. Like, we all have the same amount of time. It's limited. And so, okay, God, how do you want me to use this limited amount of time to most bring you glory in life? Again, think about Jesus. 
He knew that if he was going to accomplish the work God had for him, he'd have to pass up a number of good opportunities. Think about it. Jesus, everyone's here. Was that a sinful opportunity? No, that would have been a good thing. But what we've got to hear is that in following the mission God has for us, is going to require us to say no to some good things. Some of the hardest things in life is discerning between good, better, and best. And I fear that we settle for the good when we should be saying yes to the best. So one, we've got to realize that we can't do everything. Second, we've got to prioritize what you must do over what you could do. C.J. Mahaney has also written on biblical productivity, and he shares this statement. He says, My experience has been that if I fail to attack my week with theologically informed planning, my week attacks me with an onslaught of the urgent. Did you hear that? You, you've got to find time to get away and be with God and hear, God, what do you have of me this week? What do you have of me today? And if you're not living with a clear sense of mission and vision, you're just going to say yes to what's most urgent. He says, and I end up devoting more of my time to the urgent than the important. So we must learn to prioritize what we must do over all that we could do. And third, we must reduce or eliminate everything that, that doesn't align with our why. What I'm talking about today is not just trying to figure out how you can make your calendar and schedule a little tighter. Some of us are going to have to go back and do some hard thinking and ask the question, if I'm going to live out my why with an unshakable resolve, what are the things in my life that are going to have to die? What's going to have to be killed? What do I got to say no to? What do I have to eliminate? Know your why, prioritize your why, and then finally, fuel your why. Is anyone beginning to feel the weight of this? I feel this. The life I'm challenging you to live is not an easy life, but it's a rewarding and it's a fulfilling life. There is nothing in this world that will bring you a greater sense of peace before God than knowing that you are accomplishing all that he has for you. That's why we've got to fuel our why. So that leads us to a question, how do we do this? How do we fuel our lives so that we have the power to live with an unshakable resolve like Jesus did? Let's go back to the text. Verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Even though Jesus had been up late doing ministry the previous night, he rose early the next day to spend time with God. Let me ask you, why do you think he was up early? 
spending time with God? Do you think he has the clarity when Simon says, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Do you think he has the clarity to say, no, let's go to the next town if he hasn't been before God to receive empowerment and guidance? He is able to clearly know here's where we're headed because he'd been with God. God was his source of strength and guidance. He knew that he could accomplish nothing apart from the empowerment and guidance that came from spending time with the Father. And as a result of his time with God, he came away empowered for the ministry ahead with a clear sense of mission and direction from the Lord. I know of no better antidote to our struggles with busyness, pride, people-pleasing, and the urgent than daily and consistent pursuit of God and time with God. This is the one thing we must do to fuel our why. I want you to think about it. If I've spent time with God and there's empowerment and there's guidance, I find a great sense of approval that I'm with God and it frees me from having to seek the approval of man. But the reason many of us live moment by moment on the edge of the fear of man is because we haven't got our face before God. And when that happens, it gives me a clear sense of freedom to say no to what's not important. And you know what? I'm more confident in saying no to the crowds because God has made it clear What's most important for me? Look, you may be sitting there and think, John, you don't know my world. I do live, I know your world. Like, I know what it's like to just like the email chain, it doesn't stop. Like, there's, there's gonna be another urgent email coming. I know what it's like to look at a task list. I know what it's like to work for a team and to have people over you and there's like goals and responsibility. Like, I get that and I wrestle with it on a daily basis. I want to end by looking at a passage in Luke chapter 10, and then we're going to pray. I've got it on the screen here. In Luke 10, Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house. In verses 38 through 42, let me read this. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. You see what verse 42 says? But one thing is necessary. My goal in this sermon isn't that you walk away with a bunch of tasks. 
That would be ironic. My goal is that you wrestle deeply, that you're going to all, and I including, are going to stand before God one day and give an account for our lives. He's created you to maximize his glory. And you do that by living a life of good works. And so I just want to, like, can you imagine a church that is devoted with an unshakable resolve to say, that mission God's given us, there's nothing distracting me from that. A church that says, we're going to pray and we're going to pursue that mission and we're going to encourage one another and pray for one another. And we're going to say, we're, we're going after that. Jesus was a man on a mission. And I think he intended his followers to do the same. After the resurrection, Jesus was with his disciples. And he said this, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. It's as if he, th this whole sent life that Jesus was on, he's now, he's like, hey, you've watched my life. You're sent. And as followers of Jesus, we are sent ones. Let's not waste our life. And so here's what I want to do. I'm, I know my temptation is to just move on to the next element in our service. But I'm actually going to lead us in a time of prayer and some guided prayer and I just want you, to, I want you to reflect. I'm creating some space for you to just, I want us all to just close our eyes. I want us to go in prayer. And I'm going to revisit some of these questions that I'd, I want to challenge you to go before the Lord and come away with a sense of clarity today and next steps. So as you close your eyes, I'm, I'm just going to lead us and prompt us on some things to pray for. And the first one is this. As you talk with God, do you have a clear sense of purpose and mission for your life? And maybe your prayer goes something like this. Father, would you just make your purpose and mission clear to me? God, as I read your word, Burden me with this. Empower me for this. God, I want guidance for this. Here's another one. You can ask the Father, where are you pushing aside the very things you say are your actual priorities? In other, in other words, what are the things right now you're saying yes to that are hindering you from saying yes to what's most important? Maybe it's saying yes to something that's hindering you from saying yes to your spouse. Maybe you're saying yes to something that's hindering you from saying yes to your kids. Maybe it's, it's something you've said yes to that's hindering you from saying yes to 
to what God wants to do with you at Redemption Hill Church. Maybe it's saying yes to something that's hindering you from saying yes to how God wants you to live on your street, in your community, on mission for him. Here's another one. Father, would you show me how busyness might be covering up the rot of my soul? Father, where am I distracted? Where am I busy serving you that that I haven't done the one thing that I've got to do every day? And that's be with you, empowered by you, with guidance from you. Father, what in my life needs to be eliminated so that I can consistently live out my why? give you one more. Father, what next step do you want me to take this week in order to prioritize the one thing so that I can feel my why? Father, we just ask you to speak. Spirit, we want you to move. God, have your way in us. God, just, I just pray, God, just, would you help us not to be so distracted by the cares of the world that we miss what you want to do in and through us. So God, as we continue to worship, God, we ask for your grace to make us like Christ. Give us an unshakable resolve to live our why. We pray in Christ's name, amen.